0: Welcome to Inside the Media Minds. This is your host, Christine Blake. This show features in-depth interviews with tech reporters who share everything from their biggest pet peeves to their favorite stories. From our studio at W2 Communications, let's go Inside the Media Minds. Everyone, this is Christine Blake, the host of Inside the Media Minds, and I am excited today to welcome Tanya Riley, privacy and cybersecurity reporter at CyberScoop. Um, you may know her from the Washington Post uh, 202 newsletters, formerly, and for her witty tweets um, online. And we're excited to have you, Tanya. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Christine. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and start just with a quick overview of your background. We'd love to hear about how you got into journalism and how you got to um, where you are today, joining CyberScoop uh, last month, right? You're fairly new there.
1: Yes, well, uh, beginning of this month. <laughs>
0: okay, right, right, right. feels yeah. like
1: it's only been a few weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, so I've, been working in media or kind of peripheral to media since I graduated from college. Um, I had wanted to jump straight into journalism, but like many recent graduates did not find the perfect job right away. Um, So I worked at a startup in New York a bit that was sort of media. Um, Then I left that to pursue freelancing, um, which is, you know, a a lifestyle that is very sustainable for everyone. and different kinds of reporting, um, tech reporting, some kind of lifestyle, cultural reporting. And then I moved to D.C. Um, where I've been for about now. while um, to a partnership between New America, uh, Arizona University, and Slate Magazine. And there I was still doing events. I was you know, I'm writing, I was still doing some freelancing on the side, but it still like wasn't quite a journalism job. Mm-hmm. So after a year there, um, I applied for a fellowship at Mother Jones magazine. I applied a few times before, actually, um, and decided, you know, in some ways it was kind of a step down because i have been in the workforce for a few years and it, it wasn't, it didn't pay very much. Um, but I'm like, OK, I'm going to give myself one last chance to really like jumpstart my journalism career and it ended up paying off. It was a great experience. Um, I learned so much. I produced some work I was really proud of. And from there I got at the post. Yeah, And
0: amazing. now I'm at the <laughs> Yeah. And you are you were running the um, 202 newsletters at the post, right? Yeah, I, I suppose as
1: a researcher, which basically meant I was writing the bonders, which are kind of news rounds up roundups. Um, if you have the newsletters um, essentially they start with like a bigger story up top that's almost a full article mm-hmm. and then we get to different kind of news items so I was doing that part um, and I had the good one actually um, the anchor of the cyber food newsletter Joe he went on paternity leave um, which mm-hmm. it's the next five months I suppose they needed someone to fill in for him and at that point I've been doing it like a year and a half and Felt more comfortable about cybersecurity. I came to the post. I didn't have any background in cybersecurity. I'd been covering tech policy, so I had to really get up to speed. And Joe was very helpful with that. So I told my bosses, you know, I would, I would love to substitute for him. You know, then you don't have to find someone else to come in for five months. Um, And that I did, and it was really great. It was so nice to be reporting every day. Um, there's such a community in the cybersecurity industry and around that newsletter, and I really got to know a lot of um, great individuals and sources, and really, I mean, I think as probably all the listeners know now, it's an insane time to be writing about cybersecurity. Oh, yeah. You know, I was kind of nervous after the election. We had been doing so much election, election security stuff. I'm like, oh, no, what am I going to write about after the election? And then immediately we get into solar winds and the Biden administration, and it became a very, very um, front and center policy issue. Um, so that's how I ended up doing that. Um, and then at the end of my there, I was looking, at that point, I knew I really wanted to be in a full-time reporting role and was looking around externally and internally, um, and the summer scoop job came up. Had always been a big fan of Mm CyberScoop. All the great reporters there. um, Obviously was reading it every day since they were a competitor. So I threw my hat in the rig. I like messaged the editor, Jeff, and I'm like, hey, I'm really interested in applying. Like, what are you guys looking for? Then a cover letter, basic interview
0: that day. Oh, Um, wow.
1: Now I work there.
0: (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, I was going to say the team at CyberScoop that and you're a part of it too, is just amazing. And we love obviously following all the CyberScoop stories and that whole team over there. So once you joined, we're like, wow, look at this team. It's, you know, even stronger now. So tell us about your role there. So um, I know you are focusing on privacy, cybersecurity. Like, what are the types of stories that interest you right now? Like, what are you covering mainly?
1: Yeah, so I came into CyberScoop to help expand their coverage of technology and privacy issues, kind of beyond the borders of traditional cybersecurity coverage, um, which I'm also still doing. Especially, we're a small team, so it's all hands on deck. Um, mm. But I really came in to cover topics like facial recognition, surveillance technology, how data is being collected and sold, and what Washington is doing about all of these things. Um. And that's really where my main focus is. Um, I'm still kind of getting into that, just because uh, right now I'm actually this week I was the only reporter working, so still doing all kinds oh, wow. of wow! But yeah, we um, just with people out on vacation in the summertime um, and paternity leave. Actually, <laughs> always paternity, lots of <laughs> paternity leave uh, surrounding me. That's a trend. Um, yeah which it's great I love to see that I love organizations that care about those things um even though I will not need that for a while (laughs) but yeah so that's what I've really gotten into um and I've already done a few stories on it I'm working recognition related story right now um I've done some privacy related things with regards to new technology new technology from amazon Covered a little bit of what the FTC is doing, which is something that kind of intersects with society with breaches and privacy, um, and is certainly going to be an interesting agent to follow. In terms of the stories I'm looking for, I always say the most important thing to do is impact. That's on a policy level, industry level, down to consumer impact. Maybe that means. You know the discovery of a privacy issue. Um, it could also mean exploring a challenge facing the industry and how experts and companies are reacting to that. And certainly, you know, with all the changes we're seeing right now in the cybersecurity world and constantly in the tech world, there are all always stories about that. Um, it's interesting. I, I tweeted a thread earlier this month with some of these ideas and got some feedback that a lot of the things I was interested in had sort of a negative bent to them. Um, which my intention definitely was not to shut out stories about positive things in tech and cyber. But I, I do think it's about my start when things were a little more techno utopian like, oh, tech is going to fix everything, like civic tech. Um, You know, we we know now that's not the whole picture and Mm -hmm. I think there's a little burnout on that. Um, So I do tend to have my guard up a little bit for any pitches that are like, this is a panacea solution to the woes facing our society. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I am interested with privacy and cybersecurity. There's a lot that needs to be done in a direction and a lot of improvements that need to be made. So, um, you know, I think if you pitch things in a realistic scope and don't try to oversell them, it's always a good strategy to use. Um, The other thing being said is I don't really cover product news that much, um, which is where a lot of us come from. I'm a lot more interested in kind of like bigger trends. Um, So, and then in terms of resources, I normally prioritize direct experience. So it helps when pitches are as specific as possible, as why this individual has a valuable perspective. You know, is this a law that's gonna impact your company? Did your CEO previously serve in a government capacity related to this topic? Mm-hmm. You know, what can they bring to the story that no one else can? Because I, I get flooded with the pitches. So to stand out, like you really have to make the connection for me. Um, and I think just because of the reality of timing, you know, sometimes something will happen, particularly like a cybersecurity incident. And then two days later, I'll get a pay. Pick- hey, do you want my CEO to comment on this? And I understand just kind of the reality of timing that that's how things run. But at that point, I've probably moved on to a new topic. Right. Um, so, but that, that being said, like, even, you know, I, I don't always respond to those pitches, but if someone looks really interesting, I'll keep that email and them for the next time I'm writing about that subject. Like, oh, I remember this CEO had thoughts on XYZ topic or XYZ experience, and I'll go back to my email and get in touch with um, whoever pitched me. Mm-hmm. So they're not, you know, it's not totally going into a void, but it is a lot to keep top of.
0: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I'm sure you get flooded with with different resources, especially like as we're seeing these headlines like mainstream news with the colonial pipeline, solar winds, all of the the executive order and everything. It's just there's such a um, saturation of cybersecurity news and every vendor wants to throw their hat in the ring and, you know, comment on it and be the expert on it. Um, so it's, I mean, that's really valuable to know what types of resources you're looking for, for your stories. Um, and I, I have a question too, about, um, how you leverage research. Cause we also see a number of threat Intel companies and, um, other vendors putting out research or, you know, looking at the dark net and to what extent do you use research or value that for your coverage?
1: Yeah. So I think, um, for cyber research is really important to us in, I particularly love talking to research especially if you can get me an exclusive on something or something early that's great I think one area in which it gets harder to cover research is if for for me at least is one if it's super general like there's always like you know annual threat reports and they all come out at once and Mm -hmm. normally I'm kind of trying to silo that maybe into like one or two trend stories um So those, you know, it's a little harder. Um, Or if research is just like very transparently like promoting a product, which to some extent that's, you know, that's how a lot of this research works and it's kind of my as a journalist to be judicious about it and make sure I'm not just like putting out a press release. Um, Mm. But I think, you know, the more specific the research, the better. Like if you're telling me something novel or that hasn't been, explore it's really great um but I'll never like say no to like a research embargo normally I will say hey let me see it and then we can go from there it's always worth sending I think
0: yeah no that's definitely fair um and then you know throughout your career um what is one of the most memorable stories that you've written something that stands out in your mind
1: oh that's such a good question um (laughs) I think, well, there's, there's, to me, always like memorable from a report standpoint and then memorable from like an impact standpoint. Sure. Um, I, I think uh, to choose a more recent example, and this, this goes back to research actually. So last summer, was it, oh my God, was it last summer? I'm sorry, I can't keep trying to <laughs> It all blends out. together think, at this I point. Think, right. I, I think it was last summer, um, but some researchers brought me information about this fertility app that seemed to have kind of sketchy privacy practices, um, to you know if I wanted to write a story on and I did, because privacy, women's health, really interesting stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, it ended up being a really hard process with going back and forth with the researchers and Going back and forth with my editor because at that time I was writing the newsletter and you know doing a newsletter on top of more enterprise kind of work. It's it's a lot of work for everyone involved. Um, but what really stood out about it to me is after the fact, I just got contacted by so many women being like, I had no idea that the stuff I used was doing this stuff. Um, it there was a little like subreddit for women. It was. I guess like a fertility tracking app and a subreddit wow. where it was very popular. Um, and so the story spread a lot there and like all these women like were like, oh my God. Um, and then a few months later, I got a tip about the app setting out weird notifications. So people remember that I've written about it and reached out to me. Um, and I ended up not being able to do anything with that tip, but it was nice to know that that story had stuck with someone to the extent that they're like, oh, okay, this is the reporter to talk
0: to you. Yeah, um, it sounds like that yeah, story made an impact,
1: kind of, yeah. Right, right. And that's what I was saying kind of at like the top of our conversation that I really am driven by impact journalism. And it doesn't have to be like Congress citing my work, which sometimes does happen, and that's awesome. It could just be like someone who uses this app finding out that the privacy <laughs> was a little bit than they thought it was. And I think, you know, particularly for privacy-oriented stories like we just expect you know I like will scroll through privacy notifications all the time and be like okay like I think TikTok it's privacy notifications Mm -hmm. I think I just like spiked yes because I wanted to watch my TikToks and then realized (laughs) like a day later oh wait this was a story I should have written so it's it's important to make those things understandable to readers um yeah and make them aware that these things need to be transparent
0: Yeah, especially, you know, you think about um, the younger generation and older generations and just, um, I mean, people just have an innate desire to look at the TikToks and just scroll past the notifications and accept the privacy agreements because it's just ingrained in our culture now that it's just like, oh, I want to go to this, I want to go to the app or I want to do whatever it is. And they don't even think about privacy. I know like my parents are the same. It's like, oh, we just expect privacy. We don't expect things to be leaked out, especially people that don't work in cyber or tech at all. Um, So I think to that extent, it's super important to bring light to these issues and these topics. Yeah, absolutely. So with such a a saturated and um, news cycle and cybersecurity market, how do you think companies should differentiate themselves in such a crowded space?
1: That's a great question. Um, And I think, you know, going back to some of the things I mentioned, specificity really helps if you can really, because right, my job is to tell a story. So the closer you can get to pitching me a story versus a concept or, you know, like a little tidbit of news, that really helps. Like, help me make the connection between what you're pitching me and why it would be a good story for readers. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to do my whole job for me, of course. But um, that helps if I can kind of like get a clearer vision from the beginning of why this would be important to share. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the other thing is just, and this is more of a style thing, but I hate gimmicky pitches. Like I will, like you can have a great pitch, but if you lead it with a gimmick, I'll probably ignore it. So something like okay. Good to know. Um, I'm trying to think of a good example, but, just, or like anything that's like, I don't know, like aggressive subject lines
0: or like, I feel like people tweet about these. I try not to tweet too much. Them, but, <laughs> no, um, I've, I've definitely seen some, some of the uh, feedback on those types of pitches because it just doesn't feel natural and it just isn't, I don't know, it just doesn't feel real. and just kind of silly.
1: Right. It's like for both professional adults, like you can be friendly, but you know, let's, let's talk business. Um, yeah. and I think having genuine enthusiasm about what you're pitching, not because like your boss told you to, but because like like, show me how like interested you are as a potential reader in something mm-hmm. like this, um because right, you want you want, and I want to have a friend or a family member or well, maybe not a coworker in my case, but someone who isn't involved in this world read this story and think wow that's really interesting this is really valuable information for me to have like you and I like we work in this world we know all like the ins and outs it's obviously interesting to us but my job is to make sure it's interesting to like
0: my mom Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely that's good that's definitely good to think about um, and then, you know, we're, we're about halfway through 2021, which is just crazy. Uh, what, and we've seen a lot of huge cyber stories happening so far, um, especially, you know, as people are going going out more, getting out post-COVID life. What do you think is going to be one of the biggest stories this year? That's a great question. Um, I guess I am,
1: you know, I'm, this is not so much within my privacy beat, which think is a little harder to predict, Um, but, and maybe this is on my mind just because I was meeting with a source about this morning, but I think ransomware is going to continue to be front and center um, within the cybersecurity beat. I think we will see a lot of policy decisions being made in the next few weeks. Um, And it just has such a ripple effect throughout the cybersecurity industry, whether that's insurance or new products um, regulation I just think that will probably be front and center for a while Mm -hmm. Um, with regards to privacy um, I am really interested in and I did a story about this the other week but the push towards digital identification uh, wallet or sorry Apple was going to have its own like kind of digital driver's license Mm -hmm. obviously with vaccine passports we're kind of moving towards okay, how do we have this identify people through these virtual means, whether it's digital ledgers or fingerprints or whatever. Um, so
0: maybe maybe that won't pick up, but I, I do think hopefully that will be something to follow. Yeah, absolutely. I know I did read that story of yours and I think the vaccine passports and it's just fascinating what is happening now and what sort of information is just floating around out there, especially when it comes to like medical <laughs> medical stuff as well. Yes,
1: definitely. Um, and I think it's, it's interesting, and I'll just leave this to a bit, but the FTC is revisiting some of its rules around how apps collect and share medical data, since HIPAA, HIPAA does not cover as much as you think it would. So mm-hmm. I think we will see probably more regulation in that space as well.
0: Okay, yeah, definitely. Um, that definitely makes sense. I know a lot of people that we've been talking to say the same thing about ransomware, Um, and then also just data being out there in every direction on every sort of app or platform. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and then just a a listener question. Um, and we all know you're an active social media user and love following your tweets. Um, how do you (laughs) leverage, um, Twitter and pros and cons. Um, I, I remember actually when you were looking for cat photos for the 202, I thought that was hilarious, but I think (laughs) it's a good way to like, you know, see someone's personality and find out what they're really looking for. So I guess pros and cons from your point of view and how you leverage social media as a journalist.
1: (laughs) Well, I, I think probably I'm a little too online, um, (laughs) maybe for my own sanity at this point, it's been helpful during the pandemic to feel virtually connected to people. I think, um, but it, it is to me a really great resource. You know, Just yesterday, um, Chris Krebs had made a comment um, about breaking out system from DHS. And this was an idea that I just had never heard before. So I'm like, hey, is this something people have been talking about for a while? I've only been covering this subject so long. And a few people chimed in with information that helped me get started on a story about this. Um, I do like to find sources on Twitter just because there are so many sources in cybersecurity Mm -hmm. or I'm looking for someone to speak quickly. Um, So I'll I'll put out source calls and I, you know, I will contact people that DM me there or whatever, sometimes, not in every case, but I I do use it as a way to find stories and sources, Um, particularly working in breaking news. It's really important to be online a lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure I know a lot of people, but I do like sharing my personal life on Twitter. Um, lots of cat pictures. I myself have a cat. Um, I think he probably
0: has more fans on Twitter than me. But. <laughs> Love that. That's great. And then, yeah, outside of work, is there something our listeners maybe wouldn't know about you that you're interested in outside of journalism? Uh, that's a good question. <laughs>
1: I feel like I'm kind of boring in that my passions outside of work are very similar to my passions inside of work. Um, I love creative writing. Um, I'm working on a novel right now, which is a silly thing to admit, but that's kind of been my pandemic project. Um, I have a twin sister, which you might actually know from my Twitter if you're like a close follower. (laughs) Um, but yeah, and I love TV. I don't tweet about it as much, but I'm a huge TV fan. So I love like just, gabbing about people with tv
0: shows okay any uh show you're watching right now
1: um i'm actually
0: in a lull right now so if anyone has recommendations let me know there i feel like there is a bit of a lull right now too so we'll have to we'll have to find something good (laughs) yeah um great and then anything um cyberscoop is working on that you want to highlight or promote coming up
1: um not at the moment we actually just got done a bunch of big events um, called cyber talks but um we're always doing events so please subscribe to our newsletter and you can learn more about that and get a nice little roundup of our stories and if you don't already follow Cyberspeople
0: on twitter follow us follow me mm-hmm. um but i think that's it for now yeah and are you guys going to black hat this year or passing on that um i don't
1: know Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how um, in-person events come back. I know a lot of us are looking forward to DC Cyber Week in the fall. Um, So hopefully we can get back out there to some of these in-person events coming up. Yes, definitely.
1: Um, I am hoping next year I get to Vegas somehow. I've never been, so I'm looking forward to it.
0: No, definitely. Black Hat is a very interesting time, a lot going on. Um, well, Tanya, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. It was great to learn more about you and your new role at CyberScoop and a lot of great takeaways for our listeners um, to pay attention to and to think about as they communicate with you and help um, position you with some resources. So, Yes, thank you so much for having me, Christine. Absolutely. Well, everyone listening, this has been Christine Blake with Tanya Riley. Have a great day. Thank you for joining us on today's episode of Inside the Media Minds. To learn more about our podcast and hear all of our episodes, please visit us at w2com.com slash podcast and follow us on Twitter at Media Mind Show. And you can subscribe anywhere podcasts are found.